As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. Most people live somewhere. Even if you live in a van, you can list that for rent. People list a tent in their backyard, a furnished basement, an extra room, the couch in their living room. So it gives you opportunity to get experience now. Best ever listeners, where are you going to be on February 22nd and 23rd? I am visualizing that you're going to be in Denver, Colorado, because that's where the best ever conference is. And that's when it is February 22nd, 23rd. Go to besteverconference.com and even put in Take five, so you get 5% off your ticket. So that is T-A-K-E and the number five whenever you purchase your ticket. And buy now because ticket prices go up weekly. So go to besteverconference.com. You can read all about the conference, the agenda, the speakers. We've got an incredible speaker list focused on commercial real estate so that includes five plus units if you're in multifamily and you're going to get a lot of value from this conference go to besteverconference.com it's the third time we've done it it improves every year and we have raving reviews i'm not just saying it ask people who have attended every year besteverconference.com enter take five t-a-k-e five when you purchase your ticket and get an extra five percent off Ticket prices going up weekly, so get it today. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. What's us today? Ziana McIntyre. How you doing, Ziana? I'm so good. Thanks for having me on. Well, it's my pleasure. Nice to have you on the show. A little bit about Ziana. She travels the world for half of the year using and teaching a variety of tactics to help others do the same and specifically... She owns six Airbnbs and manages 15 properties and teaches others how to invest and set up and automate their Airbnb business based in Boulder, Colorado, when she's not traveling the world. With that being said, Ziana, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Yeah. So I grew up in Hawaii, which is not really an entrepreneurial market. So I think that's kind of a place that they don't really encourage that sort of behavior. But luckily, I found my way to Boulder, Colorado, and this is just like a startup frenzy, super passionate entrepreneurial place. So I'm just thriving here and loving it. But yes, I got started with Airbnb in 2012, and I haven't really looked back. I started with just 
a room in my house in a place that I was renting and blew it up into owning six properties, managing about 15 to 20 around the world. And I think it's super accessible for anybody just wanting to get into real estate. So yeah, I'm excited to share that. Where are the six properties that you own? I own one in Colorado Springs, one here in Boulder, and then four in St. Louis. How'd you end up in St. Louis? I had a friend who moved there that we were friends from Hawaii. And after about five years, I went to go check it out and just kind of heard how affordable the market was and then decided that I would come back and buy something. So I had a place a month after I visited. And how have the St. Louis ones compared to Boulder and Colorado Springs? Well, Colorado is more hyped. So we do have a huge summer here and the prices are a lot higher so you can charge more. But because it's so affordable in St. Louis, the margins are way better. Hmm. Okay. Factoring in vacancies, you make better cash on cash return in St. Louis with Airbnbs than Boulder and Colorado Springs? Yeah, heads and tails more because you can't buy anything in Boulder under maybe 300,000 and my cheapest property I ever bought in St. Louis was 52,000. Mm-hmm. So, okay. And what are those returns that you're getting in St. Louis? It's about 20, 22%. Mm-hmm. And what about the Colorado ones? Wow. I actually don't know right off the top of my head. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. But, but not 20 to 22%. It, no, <laughs> no. So monthly in St. Louis, these homes, they're going to do 1,600 to 3,000 a month and they're all under 100,000. And then in Colorado, the condo I have here was 162,000, which now is 350,000. And that maybe does 4,000 a month in the summer and the height height. Otherwise it's about 1,600. So it's just a huge spread there mm-hmm. on what you can get and when you can make. What type of financing did you get on each of the six? When I started in Boulder, I just knew that I probably couldn't qualify for a loan after having done Airbnb for a couple of years. And that was early days when even now it's still hard to qualify for a loan. They just don't see it as traditional real estate income. But before it was even worse because nobody really knew what Airbnb was. So I asked a friend and he gave me a private loan kind of under the table. And then I was able to pay that off pretty quickly. So that one is without a loan currently. And then I used that property to leverage my first one in St. Louis through that same private lender. So it was kind of like a HELOC sort of deal. You just put a a lien on the property. So then I did that kind of cash. And then the other couple, the next two in St. Louis, I bought at the same time. And I used cash for both. One I paid for myself, and then the other one I split with a friend. And the last St. Louis one, and then the one in Colorado Springs, I did mortgages, but I have a friend who gets the mortgage and we're partners on it. How resourceful is this? (laughs) (laughs) You've got to be, right? Wow, Wow. I'm glad I asked that question. There was not one traditional way of financing those. Oh, no. I still don't know if I qualify for a mortgage, honestly. My finances are so wild. I've got seven bank accounts and Airbnb pays you on the day someone checks in. So I'll have hundreds of payments and it's all over the place. So yes, I have a lot of money that comes through my accounts and that's great, but it's so much easier when you've got a friend who's got a W-2 job that's super predictable. Mm -hmm. So if you can get someone else to get the mortgage and then you just sit in the sidelines, way better. When you split the one deal in St. Louis with your friend, how did you structure that? 
I had it where he paid for it up front, just cash. So that house was $60,000 and I took 60% equity. He got 40% equity and I do all of it. So the thing he helped me with was furnishing at the beginning. And then I do all the management going forward the whole time. So I think it's a pretty fair deal. He doesn't even know that the house is still standing. He hasn't seen it in years. And I'm the one who goes and makes sure everything's good and works with all the cleaners and does all the turning over. And he's just happy looking in the bank account that we're doing great. Is every dollar that is profit split 60-40 or does... Okay, so he doesn't get his first 60K out and then it's 60-40. It's every dollar 60-40. Yeah. Cool. Okay. And equity gains because it's appreciated a lot. So it's been like a double win. Generally, the Midwest is pretty flat. It's about a hundred now, but we're probably going into a recession coming up. So I'm not betting on that money because I don't intend to sell it all. I'm just happy with cash flow. When you looked for the Airbnbs in St. Louis, and I'm more interested in St. Louis than Colorado Springs and Boulder because I feel like it's easier to get a good Airbnb in Colorado Springs and Boulder. But in St. Louis, my assumption is that you've got to be more particular or selective about where you go in order for it to be a good Airbnb location. Yeah. Um, I mean, I actually think it's backwards. I think it's so much harder to find something good here because of the prices are so- Well, okay. No, no, that, that, sorry. Prices aside, which is obviously a big variable. I'm just saying as far as the area for where people want to Airbnb, I feel like Colorado Springs and Boulder, you could just throw a dart at the city map and you're probably okay with Airbnb. Whereas St. Louis, if you threw a dart, you better make sure you're directing that dart to a certain area is my guess. Yeah. So how did you pick the location for St. Louis when you were picking your Airbnb? I knew that Boulder being a college town did really well. So I sort of was betting on that. I thought, okay, Let me talk to a few people in St. Louis, see what they say about neighborhoods. And I did a lot of research just online, which I think is a great resource. I didn't actually go and visit the home before I bought it. And if you can't do that, I'm pretty sure now with all my experience that you can do 99% of it online. So with that, I was looking for the biggest college in St. Louis. So Washington University is their biggest school there. They've got about 15,000 students. And with that, it's got a really strong medical program. So people come all over for treatments there and then also just to interview for the medical school. So I knew that was going to bring parents, students, traveling instructors, traveling nurses. So that was just kind of a great hotspot. And then in that location in the university area, it's 15 minutes from the airport, 15 minutes from all the sports fields, the convention center, downtown. So I thought that that seemed like a really good hub. But yeah, I think you want to know that the location has something that's bringing people there. You can't, I mean, you can, but being just in the suburbs is a lot harder to make it work. Mm -hmm. Agreed. So you you focus on Washington University's an Ivy, I think they're Ivy League too, aren't they? I actually don't know. I I think they are. Well, either way. Maybe, maybe they're private or something. I mean, it's a beautiful school. Um, but I don't actually know for sure, but it definitely has helped us. And also being in a student area, because I started kind of early days there and I wasn't sure what the climate, how friendly people were going to be towards Airbnb, students generally don't care about people coming and going and all that. And they're not going to rat out you, maybe an older neighbor or something. So I sort of knew that that would be a good bet as well. 
So when you are doing the research, you look for the college town, which makes sense, or the area which the college is located in that city, and you find a place that's close by. Makes sense. What are the other characteristics of a property that you need to see in order to purchase it for an Airbnb? Now you can look on Airbnb and put in specific addresses and kind of see what people are charging around you. It doesn't give you a whole story because prices change based on the seasons, but that does tell you a little bit. I like using Google Maps to walk down the street. It doesn't tell you everything again, but you can see how nice the cars are. You can see if homes are boarded up and you can kind of get a general vibe of is there trash in the yard or homes taken care of that kind of deal. I use Trulia for crime maps. So St. Louis does have a bit of crime and it can really be street to street. So the crime maps are pretty helpful. That university area in general is just very low crime. But again, there are some neighboring areas that are not as good. So I really had to kind of rely on things like that. But there are lots of tools. And then I'd say lastly, AirDNA is a website that does analytics and they have some basic stuff that you can see for free and then you can buy based on the area that you're looking to invest. But you can actually put in your address and how many people, how many beds, and it'll tell you what it thinks you can get per night, what your occupancy rate is and what you would make a year. And as far as the actual property itself, so number of bedrooms, you're built, anything like that, if that's relevant, are there anything that is a go or no-go that you always look for or would cross yeah. off the list? I generally stay away from condos because I don't want an HOA or even homes with an HOA. I don't want an HOA to tell me what I can and can't do. So I stay away from that. I end up with older homes just because they're more affordable. But yeah, if you could get something brand new, that would probably be more attractive. But I try to play up the character of an older home. I don't go for pools there, but if you live in Florida, that's a definite, you need a pool kind of deal. So that sort of depends market to market. I would say bedroom size. So this is kind of a new thing I'm playing with, but in the market of Airbnb, it kind of grew on the backbone of one and two bedrooms and in urban markets with condos. So now there's like a flood of that and a lot of competition in that space. But if you can have a home that's five, six bedrooms, there's not that many other homes that can sleep 10 or 15 people. So all of a sudden you're in a different pool where you can charge a lot more because there's a lot of people and they're all sharing that, but it doesn't actually cost you that much more to get a couple extra bedrooms. So I've found that that's a niche that's growing a lot. And yeah, there are a lot of people that travel in groups for weddings, family reunions, all that kind of thing where they want to stay together. Switching gears to now managing properties. At the beginning of our conversation, you manage 15 to 20 around the world. How do you manage those properties? And just give us some perspective of about maybe where are some of these properties, just so we know what you mean by around the world. Yeah, I have one in Spain that we manage. We've got in Seattle, New York, Colorado. They're kind of all over and they pop up in different areas because we'll manage for a time. And then sometimes people are changing sort of their plans. So yeah, we've had them in Florida, Atlanta, just kind of all over. So sort of wherever people hear from me, because the people will find my blog or hear me on a podcast, and then they call me up and they can live anywhere. So I've even managed in Greece and South Africa 
So it can definitely be done anywhere. And what's great about it is it just takes a very small team. So I had to learn this with St. Louis because I don't live anywhere near there. And I only go maybe once every year and a half. So I had to figure out a way to make it work long distance. And what I discovered is that if you have a couple of good cleaners that are really reliable, and then you've got a really good handyman or two, then you're great. That's pretty much all you need because the cleaners you can pay to go check up if there's some sort of emergency, but otherwise they just go and they're checking on the home every time they clean and they're very familiar with it. So they'll tell you if there's anything out of place. And then having a really good handyman that's kind of a jack of all trades, that's great. And then if we need anything else specialized, we just Google for it. So it's not really rocket science, but when things go wrong, sometimes you can feel helpless being far away. And that's just part of something you have to get used to. When there is something that is special that goes wrong and you have to Google it, what would be an example of that? I guess if it's more involved plumber or some kind of maintenance like vent cleaning or just something that he might not have the tools for. But in general, it's all kind of just regular maintenance. And I've also found that the more we're on top of scheduling maintenance based on the seasons rather than just waiting for something to go wrong, it can be really good preventative. And then we have less things to call him about. Who meets that plumber at the property? Nobody. If it's our regular handyman, he knows how to get into the properties. He's got the code and all our homes have door codes. So that's fine. But if it is somebody who requires that, then the cleaner will meet him and would just pay her extra for that. Okay. How much do you make on a property when you're managing it? We charge 20%. And then there are a couple percentage points that are taken off based on services that we have. So I have property management service that does 24-hour receptionists and it automatically schedules cleaners and does a bunch of back-end things for us. And then we also use pricing software that optimizes day by day and just really makes that hands-off for us because pricing is a huge part of it. What's something that's gone wrong with Airbnb rentals of yours? I think as this is becoming like a bigger, bigger industry, there's a lot more room for fraud. So working with Airbnb, they collect all the money for us. But when you work with other websites like HomeAway, VRBO, Booking.com, some of them require that we collect the money. So we'll use a third party like Stripe that does the credit card processing. And we'll find that people are using stolen credit cards, that people are sometimes making a double listing and trying to rent that listing to other people. And there's a lot of crazy stuff that's happening out there. So yeah, sometimes things go wrong and sometimes we're not able to recoup the money, but I think it's just part of doing business. Sometimes you just have to write certain things off. What are your thoughts on finding a house that is for rent and then talking to the owner and saying, I'm going to rent this out to someone else via short-term rentals, but I'll give you a premium for whatever the rent is and just scaling your business that way? Yeah, I think that's a great way to go. So that's called master leasing. And really with Airbnb, I feel like there's three paths. You can be the owner of a home, which takes the most effort. You have to have a big down payment and furniture and everything. You can manage someone's home, which takes almost nothing. So if someone's just starting out, you don't have to have the furniture because it's someone else's home and you don't have to put anything down. You just go and you're getting 20% just creaming it off the top. The real good middle ground is master leasing. So someone else's home, but you have to pay for the furniture, which could be 
10, 15,000 up front. But going forward, you're going to make a bigger percentage. People say that they average around 60% rather than 20%. So that is a really good way to go. And if it doesn't work out down the line, you just fill up a U-Haul and you move it to the next property. What's your best real estate investing advice ever based on your experience? I think the best thing is just to get started. And what I love about Airbnb is that you can. So I think for a lot of people that I talk to in real estate, it's like, oh, I've been listening to all the podcasts and reading all the books. And in two years, maybe I'll be ready to finally buy. There's a lot of saving and getting ready. I think with Airbnb, what you can do today, tomorrow is list what you already have. Most people live somewhere. Even if you live in a van, you can list that for rent. People list a tent in their backyard, a furnished basement, an extra room, the couch in their living room. So it gives you opportunity to get experience now. And then you can see, okay, I like what I'm doing here. Let's see about managing or let's see about master leasing and then eventually buy. So I think it makes it so much more accessible for people that don't really have money or experience. What's a van go for a night? Oh, (laughs) I was like, what's a van go? It depends how you have it set up. So if you have an Airstream or a van or something in, in your driveway and you're giving them access to the bathroom, but it's not something you can drive around with, I don't know, 75, 100 a night. And if you can drive around with it, maybe it's more like 200 if you're renting kind of an RV sort of setup. But it really depends on the place where you are. I was just looking at some vans in Hawaii and they're like, old vans. We're talking like 80s vans, but if somebody's maintaining them and they can buy them for a couple thousand and then rent it for 200 bucks a night, heck yeah. So you just (laughs) got to be crafty. (laughs) We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Sure. let's, Let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Best ever listeners, best ever conference. That's where you want to be. February 22nd and 23rd in Denver, Colorado, Put in the code TAKE5, T-A-K-E, and the number 5 to get an extra 5% off. Ticket prices go up weekly, so buy it today, besteverconference.com. You can read all about the conference at the website, all about the speakers. You can read about them and what you will experience when you're there, besteverconference.com. Best Ever listeners, we have launched bestevercauses.com. That's bestevercauses.com. We profile a nonprofit or a cause that is near and dear to our heart, get the word out about their cause and also donate money towards their cause. If you'd like to, one, learn more about the causes that we're profiling, we do one a month, then go to bestevercauses.com. And if you want to suggest a cause that we profile that is near and dear to your heart, then go to bestevercauses.com and there's a little form at the bottom of the page where you can submit one and we'll check it out. Okay, what's the best ever book you've recently read? I love Never Split the Difference by Christopher Voss. It's all about negotiation and I just think it's got so much good information that I could just keep rereading it because it's really dense. But negotiation's everything, even in Airbnb. Where does it come up in Airbnb? A lot of people ask for discounts. I think a lot of people think that the price that you see is what you get, but it's not. So much of it is fluid. So on that end, just kind of getting the idea of not naming a price first and really seeing what somebody's got in their mind and going back and forth and giving people a discount just so they feel happy that they got a discount sometimes gets you the booking. 
But also if you're negotiating with landlords to master lease, that's definitely a lot of back and forth. And it's not just money, but it's sometimes terms. So I yes. think it's a great skill. Speaking of Chris Voss, episode 1,244, I interviewed him. So best ever listeners, if you want to listen to that episode, it is episode 1,244. What's the best ever deal you've done so far? One of the homes in St. Louis, I bought a $52,000 and it was listed on the market. I didn't have to do any sneaky finding. And that house continues to make me around 2000 a month. So between 1600 and 3000 and it's paid off and very low expenses on a double lot. It's a beautiful place. If you were renting it traditionally, what would you be netting? I probably only get 800 to 850 a month. Net? Long term. Well, my expenses, all I pay a year in taxes is like a thousand, not even a thousand. So monthly, it would be 800 a month or 750 or 780 a month, something like that net. But with Airbnb, you have more expenses because you pay all the utilities. So it probably costs me 300 bucks a month, that house. Is there an expense ratio that you use for Airbnb? No, I just have like a spreadsheet where when I'm going to look at buying a home, I figure out what all the utilities are going to average and I put everything down there. So I sort of have an idea of what the net's going to be each month. And I look at things on a month to month snapshot. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction that we haven't talked about? That house in particular, I bought with somebody else and it blew up in my face. I bought with a friend and I kind of had this whole idea that, oh, we'll make some contracts, but we don't really need to have them. And we're friends and we've got an idea, but the guy never brought money to the table. And I was asking for very little. So after a year of never receiving any money and him thinking that he was a half partner, we had to split ways and we didn't go to court, but he sued me and it was just super messy. And I got out with the house and didn't have to pay him that much, but it was just a painful process. So I learned a lot through that for sure. Best ever way you like to give back? I love to give back with time. I think what I love about Airbnb is that it's so easy to automate that I have a lot of free time. So I can babysit someone's kid on a fly. I can help them move. I can go for a walk in the middle of the day. I can cook someone a meal. So I'm kind of the person in town that people call when they need something, and I like being there. And how can the best ever listeners learn more about what you're doing and get in touch with you? My website is the best way to get a hold of me, and that's ziannamcintyre.com. Well, Ziana, thank you so much for being on the show and talking about Airbnb rentals that you have, how you finance them. I found that incredibly interesting, and also the type of returns you're getting, where you look. In different cities, you look for a college in particular, then how you research the locations without visiting the locations, and then also how you manage them and some tips there. So thanks again for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Best ever listeners, we have launched bestevercauses.com. That's bestevercauses.com. We profile a nonprofit or a cause that is near and dear to our heart get the word out about their cause and also donate money towards their cause. If you'd like to, one, learn more about the causes that we're profiling, we do one a month, then go to bestevercauses.com 
And if you want to suggest a cause that we profile that is near and dear to your heart, then go to bestevercauses.com and there's a little form at the bottom of the page where you can submit one and we'll check it out.